The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. And good morning, Southwest Florida. Here we go. Annex Wealth Management Show on the air at 92.5 Fox News for Sunday, July 18th. Got a half an hour. It's going to be action-packed. If you're rolling over 401k, we've got some mistakes you want to avoid. We're going to check in with Brian Fiore. Brian is Branch Director at Annex Wealth Management Naples. Joining me, Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. Good morning to you. Good morning, Danny. Mark Beck, Managing Director of Wealth Management Services, Annex Wealth Management. Good morning to you. Good morning, Danny. Derek, one of the gauges that we use to kind of take a temperature of the market is this thing called the Fear and Greed Index, sort of a gauge of market sentiment. Close the week at 24, lowest measure so far this year. That's right. It's a compendium of seven different indicators, some related to the stock market, uh, some related to, say, performance of the S&P 500 versus bonds, uh, what the volatility index is doing and the like. And, and typically what you like to see is a lower number. That, that suggests you ought to do prepare your shopping list and do some buying when they see the number closer to 70, uh, the opposite. It's a contrary indicator. It's not a perfect timing tool, but it gives you some sense of how the markets have behaved recently. Yeah, I like the idea of tool. Use it as a tool, right? So one of those things that we use as a gauge. You know, the, the lazy way to manage money, in my opinion, you rebalance at the end of every year so that you're good for the next year. And certainly there are a lot of people out there that still follow that path. What we look for is some indicators, tools that we use that show us where are those sort of points of market inflection that help inform us in terms of when we might engage in something like rebalancing. And that's certainly one of them. I thought that was interesting. Speaking of rebalancing, by the way, took a look at year-to-date sectors. Just cannot believe the tremendous rally in energy stocks as a sector. Right. Energies, energy stocks were hated in 2020. They're, they've been universally loved in 2021. They have pulled back recently as oil prices have come under some pressure. Uh, and we, d- we did end the, a three-week winning streak for the S&P and the NASDAQ uh, on Friday. But generally speaking, uh, the energy numbers, the performance numbers, are going to be outstanding, as well as the earnings reports. I mean, remember last year, energy was in the 30s. Now it's in the 70s. So obviously, those companies are making a lot more money. In addition, they've re- reduced their CapEx expenditures and so on. And they do face that trend in ESG investing, where, where environmentally conscious investors ignore that sector. So I think that was part of the weakness last year. But, of course, they've rebounded quite nicely this year. You know, and I think about that in terms of balancing a portfolio, and you talk about this a lot, being invested in things that are working now, but also looking towards the future in what we expect to work into the future. So, you know, you can't just chase the winners. And, And to me, when you look at something like that and you think about the contrast between 2020 versus first half of 2021 in energy stocks, it sort of fits that theme, paying attention to where we're going. It does. And, you know, the energy companies, you know, thinking about, let's say, Exxon and Chevron, both pay very high dividends relative to the 10-year treasury, so they look attractive to uh, income-oriented investors. And they do provide somewhat of a hedge against inflation if energy prices were to continue to move higher. Thinking about where we're going also, by the way, Taiwan Semiconductor reported this past week and strong quarter, but I think one of the most important things that we should talk about is their sense that the shortage in microchips is likely to 
resolve itself by the end of the third quarter. And this has had implications in lots of different industries. Well, that's true. It's one of the reasons why auto sales are down. The auto companies haven't been able to get enough semiconductor chips to uh, put in the put in their vehicles. And Taiwan Semi is probably the largest uh, semiconductor manufacturer in the world. So they have a very good insight into what's going on in that in that vertical. So that'll be interesting to see if that plays itself out because it might play into the concept of transient inflation, which we'll talk about maybe in a moment. I think we should touch on Friday economic data that came out. Retail sales substantially better than they expected. Yeah, retail sales were up 0.6% in June, 0.2% including revisions in the prior months. Uh, that was better than expected, as you mentioned. So I think what we're going to see in retail sales is on the one hand, you're going to see rising wages, a better jobs market, and some inflation. But on the other hand, you're going to see the temporary boost from those stimulus checks beginning to wane, as well as the end of the excess unemployment benefits uh, that have been paid to people. So all things that might feed into the idea of transitory inflation and um, what has been called reopening bottlenecks. So bottlenecks have come in a couple forms. You just talked about semiconductors being one of those, supply chain disruptions, and and frankly, the ability to hire workers. The interesting thing that's happened recently, you know, people are pointing to the lumber market. Lumber on an average price from 2016 to 2019 is with 379. It got as high as 1686, almost up fivefold, but it's pulled all the way back to 521. So only up uh, six. Well, it's down 69% from its high, but still up 37% versus a baseline period. Uh, so some of these bottlenecks are gradually diminishing, and we're going to start to see that in more and more uh, commodity sectors as we go forward. This would be a good time to suggest that somebody go into logistics for a career. Don't you think that's <laughs> yes, going to be exploding? I think so, you're right. I, I, listen, if you know anybody in that business, they have just got to be pulling their hair out. It's just, you know, you can get your system right. But if everybody down the line isn't, it's even bigger problem. Hey, stick around. We've got more to come. If we can help, head to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. After all we've been through, isn't it time to focus on what really matters, living your best life? There are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to investment and retirement planning. It's important to get it right, and we can help. AnnexWealth.com is the place to start. Click the Get Started button. Put a pro on your side with a local fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Tom Parks is our go-to guy when it comes to 401ks. After all, he's Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back to the show. Always good to be here, Danny. I thought 401ks were about the most trouble-free investment options out there. For most of us, it's our first experience for investing for the long term, right? Absolutely. Most people, this is the biggest thing they've got going for retirement. But mistakes can be made. We want you to avoid them. We found a list of some things to avoid when it comes to 401k rollovers. Are you ready to roll through? Yes, let's right. do this. First one is withdrawing your 401k instead of rolling it over. That's a mistake. That is a big one, unless you're retired. you know. But even in that case, you probably want to do a rollover to make sure the thing lasts through retirement. We see this a lot, especially now with people transitioning more frequently in the workforce than you know 30 years ago. There is a temptation to withdraw that 401k money because that is a distributable event. Once you separate from service, you can either leave the money in the plan, roll it over to your new employer's plan, roll it to an IRA, or take the money out and spend it. That is the worst option among all of the ones that you have available to you. Say somebody loses their job. Do they roll it over? Do they keep it there until they land? 
Uh, it depends on the situation. So if you have less than $5,000 in a total balance, then you got to look real carefully at how your plan treats those balances because it varies from one plan to the next. If you have more than $5,000, every employer has to allow you to leave it in there. And yeah, in that case, you might want to just wait to see where you're going to go. 401k rollover mistakes, that's what we're talking about. Do people really lose old 401ks? That happens? Jenny, this happens all the time. It's unbelievable. So we deal with this all the time with our clients where we'll talk about, we actually created a website specifically to deal with this problem because it's so pervasive. So people will leave their employer and they just leave their money in there. It's unbelievable. And then they move. So you're trying to get a hold of them to help them. Hey, you've got you know $17,000 in here and then you can't even find them. So yeah, when you leave, don't forget to take your money with you. My goodness, it's unbelievable. Hey, how do you feel about rolling over a 401k to an annuity? I don't feel super great about that, okay. generally speaking. The thing with annuities, there are so many annuities out there that, and there's a lot of condemnation of annuities that I think gets overblown sometimes. But the issue with annuities is that most people who have money invested in them really don't understand them. And I am just always opposed to investing in something you don't understand. So if you're going to go that route, make sure you understand what you're getting yourself into because annuities always come with these benefits, you know, usually some sort of guarantee. Well, there is always a price to pay for the guarantee. And it usually comes in the form of some sort of handcuffs, right? So if you're going to go that route, please do your due diligence before you do it. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services. We're talking about mistakes when rolling over a 401k. What do we need to know about required minimum distributions and rollovers? Well, we don't have enough time to go through all of <laughs> the things you need to know about this other than to understand that people have misconceptions about the rules. The other thing is the rules have been changing. There were some CARES Act rules that affected required minimum distributions. Then you have a question of how long are those going to be in play with things that are going on in Congress now. But there are also differences in minimum distribution rules between 401ks and IRAs, pre-tax and Roth. And so people will get those things confused and you want to make sure that you really do understand the requirements because there are some cool strategies you can employ to take advantage of required minimum distribution rules if you really know what you're doing. That, honestly, I understand enough to know that you got to talk to someone, but the rest of the Annex team is the one who you really want to dive into that stuff with to understand how that strategy is going to work out best for you. I don't want to go too long without telling anybody that's listening that's in this situation. If you are in the midst of needing to roll over your 401k, we can help on that. Absolutely. If nothing else, have us take a second look at it for you just to make sure you understand what you're doing. We're a great resource for informing people, if nothing else. 401k rollover mistakes. This is a little complex. 401k rollover of after-tax funds. Yeah, so this you don't see as much as you used to because of Roth 401ks. So Roth 401ks came into play, I want to say, in like 2002 or something like that. Prior to that, though, a lot of people offered an after-tax 401k account. So it was basically a tax-deferred account in a 401k plan. So when when Roth came into play, there were they just most people just kind of switched over to the Roth option as opposed to having that after tax. But there are still a lot of those legacy after tax accounts out there. And there too, I think people now end up confusing them with a Roth, which they're not. They're very similar. So again, if you have I always tell people anytime you are moving money in or out of a 401k account, before you make the move, make sure you totally understand not only the investment and the product ramifications, especially with an annuity, but the tax ramifications of the action you're about to take. 
Got about a minute left, but 401k rollover mistakes. If you've got a loan, you leave your job, you got to pay that back. That could be a mistake. Yes. I mean, taking a loan is a mistake almost every time. I have just in the past month, I have dealt with six or seven different disastrous loan scenarios because when life happens, it disrupts your loan and it never turns out well. Speaking of life happens, divorces happen, rolling over 401k with that. Yeah. Make sure that you understand when you're going through the divorce proceeding. Pay attention to what's going to happen with your 401k account. And then once the judge signs off on the order, make sure that you then go to the administrator and get it taken care of. Get your ducks in a row because it's got to be done. And nothing can be done until the judge signs the order. That's the other thing. People get a little impatient as the process comes up. Give some grace to your administrator because they can't do anything without a signed order from a judge. At Annex, we're really good at helping people make good decisions when it comes to these rollovers. If you need guidance, get a hold of Tom and his team. You and your team are helping companies large and small construct strong benefit programs that attract and retain employees. Yeah, and we have fun in the process. It's not always the most exciting, but we want to educate people and make them feel good about what they're doing for their retirement. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Health Management. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary, and we put that in writing. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're back. Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management in Naples. Hey, Brian. Good morning, Danny. As the pandemic recedes in our rearview mirror, we reflect on some lessons learned. Some of them were financial lessons, one in particular over the last year. When times got tough for some people, they took out loans from their 401k. Let's start with an explanation of how that works, Brian. Yes, definitely. We had a few, quite a few lessons learned, I think, in 2020. But typically with a 401k loan, you're allowed to uh, borrow against your 401k plan up to $50,000 or 50% of your vested balance, uh, whichever is less. Um, it is a loan. It becomes a uh, obligation, a liability. Um, so you lose some flexibility. It's not like um, it's money that you can take out of your savings account and use for whatever it wants. It is a full-blown loan, so some people um, need to be fully aware of that. And some people think that it's my own money, my saving, investing for retirement, so it's mine, I can do as I want, but there's definitely uh, caveats that come with it. It's more common than I thought. I know that about 45% of families have credit card debt, 37% have vehicle loans, but 22% of 401k loan participants actually have 401k loans, according to T. Rowe Price. Was that a surprise? I think from my experience, the um, vehicle loans or leases I thought was the highest. But so according to T. Rowe Price, the credit card percentage is the highest. And, and the 401k, I kind of thought that was about right because a lot of folks do use the 401k loan because of a home purchase. And there's a little bit of um, 
the less restrictions of paying back, you usually have a longer duration. You can pay back your 401k loan if you're using it for a primary home purchase. So I think that's probably where most people use it. Let's say somebody is considering a 401k loan for a non-emergency reason, like you just mentioned. What should they keep in mind? I would say do other things first, especially if it's a non-emergency reason. This should be your last resort. You're saving investing or for retirement. I would not easily go look to your 401k to, to, uh, to bring in a loan because there are things that you may not realize, or there's definitely, like I said, there are contractual obligations. Like if you leave your current job, you may have to repay your loan immediately uh, when you leave. And some people aren't, don't expect that or maybe not, do not realize it. And if this doesn't work out correctly and you don't keep the covenants up, you're going to be charged penalties of 10% probably. And also everything that you take out is going to be considered income that you have to pay taxes on. This is not uh, something that you should take lightly or or consider as a first option, I would say. Yeah, definitely tread carefully. And the other thing to keep in mind is, is that earnings and invested assets, they're not earning anything anymore. That goes away. Yeah, I think most of our listeners are probably past the point where they're still uh, working and having 401ks, but they might have children in the situation. But yeah, just in general, if you take out $50,000 of savings and investments that could be potentially growing over the next five or 10 years and you're using it for something else that isn't growing, then you're you're missing out on your, you know, growing your, your nest egg for financial independence. And just like if you're investing in general and you take money out because you have to go do this, spend it here, spend it there, and it's not another investment, then the opportunity cost is being lost on that money as well. It's really kind of a last resort thing, but people look at a 17% interest rate on a credit card and a 401k loan at you know low fours. You might think, what have I got to lose? So there are downsides to borrowing, but sometimes it makes sense. But what are those better options? Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're looking at the choice of a 17% credit card interest and you don't have any other options, then a 401k loan might look very attractive. I think in general, as a society, I think we have uh, made the mindset shift where it's easy or okay to borrow to fund our lifestyle instead of save and pay for it, you know, save and then pay for it when I can afford most or all of it. Um, so my first suggestion would be to really think about your lifestyle. Maybe bring in another set, uh, source of income, maybe uh, another side hustle, something like that. See if you can reduce your expenses and not maintain the current lifestyle and actually reduce expenses, bring in another set of income for a year or two or three, see what that looks like. So you're you know, funding yourself uh, where you actually maybe can save, uh, things like that. So that's, that would be my first suggestion as far as looking at myself as, as a lifestyle, looking at myself as a business income, liabilities, expenses, and you know, see if I can work on things that way. It's all about planning, folks, and that's what Annex Wealth Management does day in, day out for every one of our clients, and we say it all the time. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Take us up on that free portfolio review. Great way to see how we operate. Zero obligation on your part, and we are confident that when you're part of a fee-only fiduciary family at Annex, you'll move through the rest of 2021 and beyond with confidence. You can start at AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Start a button. Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management in Naples. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Danny. We are going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. After all we've been through, isn't it time to focus on what really matters, living your best life? There are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to investment and retirement planning. It's important to get it right, and we can help. AnnexWealth.com is the place to start. Click the Get Started button. Put a pro on your side with a local fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. 
AnnexWealth.com. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Sunday, July 18th, we're back, 92.5 Fox News with the Annex Wealth Management Show. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, Mark Beck, Managing Director, Wealth Management Services, Annex Wealth Management. Derek, let's talk about inflation a little bit deeper. 5.4% year-over-year CPI compared to an expected 4.9, so substantially higher than we w- would have expected to see. And we got some further testimony from Powell also, this idea of transient inflation being their theme, and they really are kind of double down on that concept. Yeah, he continues to insist that the spike we've seen in inflation, particularly as it, as it applies to commodity prices like lumber, as we mentioned earlier, that that's just a passing phase. But we are starting to see that wage inflation is starting to occur at the margin. We're also seeing that rents are starting to climb again as more and more landlords look at the high cost of housing and figure they can charge their their clients uh, higher prices. Um, so we were obviously monitoring that because that has a lot to do with what's been going on with the stock market because if you look at as the Fed's balance sheet has gone from $1 trillion to $8 trillion, it has more or less mirrored the path of the stock market since that period of time. And to the degree that that balance sheet starts to get reduced, which we do not see anytime soon, uh, that could take some liquidity out of the system and perhaps lead to a top in stock prices. Yeah, it certainly could. You know, let's talk about stock prices. You know, market rally that we have seen, one of the very interesting tidbits here is to pay attention to how narrow this market has been recently, uh, you know, such that there's been eight stocks really driving the recent performance in the S&P 500. Right. Eight stocks have accounted for half the gain in the S&P 500 since May 12th. Uh, Those eight stocks are Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook, Microsoft, Netflix, NVIDIA, and Tesla, all high-octane, high-multiple growth stocks with the exception of perhaps Apple Apple and Alphabet. But, But generally speaking, that's not really a sign of market health. Now, as a contrarian, just as we mentioned the fear and greed index in the prior segment, uh, that could be a good thing, right? The market has, has now been very narrow. It could potentially broaden out again and lead to a, a late summer rally. But it does make one pay attention to the types of allocations they have. You know, if you have an allocation to only to large cap growth, you're feeling really good. But if you've got a balanced portfolio and your large cap growth stocks have done well, but your small caps have done poorly, it may be an opportunity to take a look at reallocating towards your target levels to take advantage of the weakness we've seen in the smaller cap universe. Which strikes me, you know, as is really one of those things that most people miss because, you know, we're seeing all this news about new highs in the S&P 500, but you can realize once you pay a little bit more attention that there are oftentimes certain sectors or, or certain styles of stocks that are potentially close to correcting even while we're in the middle of new market highs. And, the, you know, the small cap stocks would be a perfect example of that. Right. You know, Jim Cramer was on CNBC a lot, you know, who I used to know in New York, um, he always says there's a bull market somewhere and there's always there are always opportunities. And I do believe that's true. But as an example, last week, the S&P was down about 1% for the week. Uh, the Russell 2000 was down 5%. That's a significant period of relative underperformance. I'm not suggesting that can't continue for a while longer. Uh, but generally speaking, going into an earnings season that we believe to be exceptional, uh, it would seem there would be some opportunities there if you're a stock picker. And remember, this happened earlier this year where we got a near correction 
in tech stocks. And that was a period of time also where people didn't see when you look at the major indexes that we were really, you know, softening, uh, but it was happening under the surface. Yeah, we haven't had a 10% correction in the S&P 500 since the March lows in 2020. And historically, you get a, you get one of those every 11 months or so. So we are overdue for a broad market correction of some magnitude. Uh, timing that is very difficult. Valuation is not a very good uh, timing tool. And typically during year earnings season, stocks tend to hold up pretty well. It's during the slow summer months that I think the risk of a correction of some magnitude is probably going to get bigger. And we've got some listeners out there, I'm sure, are thinking, well, we're overdue for a correction. Why wouldn't I lighten up on my stock market exposure or sell all the stocks? I don't want to go through that. You know, that's the timing that you just mentioned is so difficult to do. Our opinion here, balance the portfolio, pay attention to some of the tools that we talked about here in terms of when to rebalance and how to rebalance so that you're monitoring risk, you're moving some of your money to those places that may have been weaker, that you expect them to recover. All of those types of things is proactive management. But boy, to really just try to avoid the next correction, you know, if the, if the money that you've got invested, you can't tolerate the next correction, that should be short-term money. It really shouldn't be stock market allocated. No, that's absolutely right. And, you know, you can also allocate across asset classes. So for example, equities tend to bring the volatility of the portfolio. So when equities are performing extremely well, particularly over a long period of time, that target allocation between equities and fixed income, which is less volatile, has different uh, return characteristics, can get out of whack, which is why rebalancing opportunistically is a sensible strategy. Great stuff. Thank you so much, Derek. You're very welcome, Mark. If we can help, head to our website, Annex Wealth Management. It's one team, one plan, and one fee, one team. That's investment and retirement planning and tax planning and estate planning. One plan, complete plan for you. That includes every single aspect. The most important thing, one fee, a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.